Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the network refused to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for October the 11th in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our one of two. And our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America. That is our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers. What are the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips? And as you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live. Wow, hope you guys had a fantastic day, weekend, couple of days, Sabbath, all of the above. I sure pro- hope you promoted God, family, and country and the protection of life, liberty, and property. A little bit of assignment for all of you. What day is today? Do you even know? What day is today? Is it a special day? Is it just a Monday? You know the old song they used to say, a manic Monday? <laughs> uh what, what day is it for you? Because it's supposed to be like a special day. Anyway, I'd like uh, anybody out there in the audience or Cameron or anybody, try and tell me what day it is and see if you know kind of what's... Well, that's uh, Christopher Columbus Day, he says. That's only if you're like an old school American, my friend. <laughs> that's only if you're like super old school, conservative, Christian. I mean, if you're one of the... One of those people, then absolutely Christopher Columbus Day. But what day is it now that they're trying to circumvent Christopher Columbus Day? And what day are they trying to make it? We'll get into that as the broadcast unfolds a little bit, ladies and gentlemen. But I'm just telling you right now, what a wonderful Christopher Columbus Day. So now you're having an extended weekend. You have the Sabbath day, now Christopher Columbus Day. You're talking about God, family, country. You're talking about the protection of life, liberty, and property. You're talking about looking to God for things. All the things that we hold dear. No doubt it's that. But they want to circumvent this day. They want to jettison real history. They want to create their own um, alternative version of history or one-sided view of history, whatever you want to call it. Anyway, we'll get into that as the broadcast unfolds, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Saturday's show, we were live on Saturday, of course. You know we're live six days a week on your radio, two hours a day. Hard-hitting talk at your fingertips. Available globally on the Internet. LovingLiberty.net, LibertyRoundtable.com. AMFM affiliates across the country and a whole lot more. Uh, but we talked about a Florida mom. Her name is Quisha King. And um, she called for a mass exodus of the public schools. She said that's the only thing left to do to fight indoctrination in public schools. She said that during a family research council um, event. She said the effort has to be pushed by parents to really send the effort. We just have to peace out, she says. We've got to just simply jettison the schools. Well, I appreciate her sentiments. I agree with them. I've been telling you that for 25-plus years. After all, the government schools, the compulsory education system in America is one of the 10 planks of the Communist Manifesto. Go look it up. It's number 10. Compulsory 
education. That's how you indoctrinate folks into socialism and communism. And parents are shocked now when these government compulsory education systems are teaching the communism they were designed to teach. What shocks me is that they're shocked. What shocks me is that it's taken so long for these parents to wake up. But I'm glad they're waking up better late than never. I'll tell you that right now. Even Candace Owens saying, get your kids out of the government schools. Man, more and more people are realizing the reality and the truth. And because of COVID, one of the silver linings of the COVID uh, lies really is that Americans are realizing they can homeschool their children. It's not an impossibility like they once thought. In fact, it's doable. In fact, when times get tough, the government can't ed- educate your kids. They melt down and then turn against you. All right. Anyway, we had our guest on first hour on Saturday, Tina Horlocker, doing a great job. She's the chair of the We Can Act .net Liberty Conference that's going on on October 22nd, 23rd, right here in Utah at the Salt Palace. Get your tickets today, WeCanAct.net. Anyway, we talked about the Liberty Conference 2021. We talked about the speakers that are going to be attending, the vendors. We'll be there live. A whole lot more going on. Anyway, great interview with Tina Horlocker doing a good job. That was our one of Liberty Roundtable Live on Saturday. Still available at your fingertips. LovingLiberty.net or get your phone apps, the iPhone or the Android app. And then you've got live and on-demand radio at your fingertips. Free, by the way. Second hour, we had a great guest on, Nathan Osmond. Actor, country singer. Uh, He's going to have a speech at the WeCanAct.net conference called Independent Forever. Yeah. You want to learn more about Nathan, NathanOsmond.com. Nathan Osmond Music. He's a country singer. He has uh, all kinds of songs. 21 Guns, The Tailgate Song, Stars and Stripes, All In, and a whole lot more. He does a podcast called Achieving Awesomeness. <laughs> Excuse me, Achieving Awesomeness. It's uh, Nathan Osmond's new podcast, and he talks about all kinds of things, not just politics, by the way, folks. Achieving awesomeness. It's everywhere. It's going to be up on LovingLiberty.net soon as well. Do you have the courage to stand in a godless society? Well, I'm telling you right now, the Osmond family has had that courage for decades. Nathan continues the tradition in fine fashion. Patriotic, God-fearing, family man. I mean, you've got to dig it. Have you seen the movie Even in Dreams? If you haven't, it's a must-see even in dreams. And that movie, basically, Nathan Osmond plays himself. And we talked a little bit about what, what kind of a deal that is to play yourself in a movie. <laughs> you know, can people question how good of an actor you are? <laughs> anyway, kind of interesting. But Nathan Osmond, what a, what a pleasure to interview. What a, what a great guy who has no hesitation about his patriotism. And you know what? That's what we need a whole lot more of. No hesitation about our patriotism. That's certainly what we need in America. I'll tell you that right now. We need Americans to say, look, this isn't about right and left. This isn't about Republican and Democrat. This isn't about whether you're woke or not, or whether you're vaccinated or not, or masked or not, or male or female or whatever. Okay, we should all be patriotic. We should all be grateful for the freedoms that we have, that we can have dissenting of opinions, that we can have a differing of viewpoints, that we can enjoy the You know, they always talk about diversity, but what about diversity of thought and belief? Can we support that? Can we celebrate that in a way that's meaningful? I think we can, ladies and gentlemen. I think we need more of it. 
right? I think there's a lot we can do if we would just do it is the question, right? Takes work to be humble. Takes work to realize that, you know what, your views may not be my views. But you know what? We don't need to prove we're right. What we need to do is be kind and considerate. I agree we can advocate for our own viewpoints. That's what I do on the radio. That's no problem. But how do we behave about it is the real question, right? So I'll give you an example. A lot of Americans believe today is Columbus Day. I'm one of them. But Joe Biden and others are not interested in Columbus Day. They, they think Columbus was a racist and a bigot. And I mean, the problem is he believed in God and all that kind of stuff. And he abused everybody. And man, Christopher Columbus was horrible in their view. In my view, in my view Christopher Columbus was an inspired man. A follower of God Almighty. And a hero. But Biden formally recognizes <clears throat> Indigenous Peoples Day. So that's what it is. Uh, it's Indigenous Peoples Day, if you uh, are of a different mindset today. They say President Biden is proclaimed Monday, that's today, October the 11th, as Indigenous Peoples Day. Um, becoming the first U.S. president to formally recognize the day for generations, federal policies sought to assimilate and displace native peoples and eradicate native cultures. <laughs> Mr. Biden wrote in his proclamation, <clears throat> I guess he issued his proclamation on Friday so everybody could read it in advance. Today we recognize indigenous people's resilience and strength as well as the immeasurable positive impact that they have made on every aspect of American society. Over the past several years, they say, states, including Alaska and, let's see, and New Mexico, have adopted the holiday, choosing to forego Columbus Day celebrations and heeding calls from selected indigenous groups not to celebrate Christopher Columbus, they say the Italian navigator the holiday was named for. Okay? They say he brought genocide <clears throat> and colonization to communities that have been in the United States for thousands of years. Many around the country, country still celebrate Columbus Day or Italian Day, as some call it. Anyway, South Dakota is the first state to recognize it as, quote, Native Americans Day. And they say post offices will be closed in observation of Columbus Day, as well as Wilma Banks. Yeah, most government offices and libraries will be closed as well. Stores like Walmart, Target, and others will be open. Some say mere observance of the day doesn't do enough. And no American president has explicitly apologized for the abuse on that day. Let's talk about it a little bit more. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Live. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? 
Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's gonna do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. Back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. I'm celebrating Columbus Day. I don't know about you, but I am. Columbus Day, ladies and gentlemen, October 11th, that is today. And I'm celebrating the national holiday. I'm celebrating the contribution that Christopher Columbus made to this great country. I get that you can find negatives in almost everybody's wake in society, especially those founders, those colonists, those explorers, those whatever you want to call them. But I'm telling you, we cannot blame all the negative that happened on them. Do I think that Christopher Columbus was a good guy? Absolutely. Do I think he was a follower of God? Without question. Do I believe he was on a mission from God to discover the new land and to come to America? Yes. Now, that does not mean that I'm willing to celebrate the negatives that we did to the Indians or the negatives that we did to the blacks or the negatives we did to the Mormons. Or, you know, we've got a lot of errors in our history that we can point to, just like most people's lives. If you look at somebody's life and you point out all the negative aspects of what they've done or not done, you can make everybody look out, look to be the boogeyman, look to be pretty bad. But when you, on the whole, look at the mistakes we made, the changes that we've made to repent from those mistakes, then you start to see a different picture. So believe it or not, I'm celebrating Columbus Day, and I'm also willing to celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day. I know a lot of patriots will kind of go against me on this and go, well, no, they're just trying to use this as a communist agenda. You know what? But let's acknowledge the good. Why don't we just, hey, have a different day that we can celebrate this Indigenous Peoples Day or the Native Americans or whatever other. Why don't we have a day to celebrate the uh, Mormons the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints back in the day, um, and their dedication to America despite the abuses they took. See, we don't really have to 
jettison one day to embrace another, jettison one viewpoint to embrace another. Can't we just celebrate the rich history that we all have? Can't we bring out the good that Native Americans have done without trashing Columbus or vice versa? Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live once again. What do you say, sir? Well, first of all, thank you for having me, Sam. It's always a pleasure to be on the radio with you. Columbus Day, um, you know, a lot of people uh, like to uh, talk bad about Columbus, but uh, I, like you, believe he was inspired by God for his uh, voyage across the Atlantic to so-called discover, you know, the American East Indies, which uh, wasn't really the Indies after all, but... but um, uh, he was led uh, here, I believe, and, and I think that uh, the the Europeans who followed him in the 1500s and, and 1600s and so forth, uh, to the extent that they were um, disrespectful of private property, I think I think they had bad relations with the uh, native Indian tribes here. But um, yeah, I, I think the Indians respected. And by property. the way, let's be clear, and we are sorry about that, though we're not happy about that. No, no, exactly, and uh, I, I think it was unfortunate for for the Europeans who came to this uh, country, to this land, uh, failed to uh, give proper respect to the property of the uh, Native American Indians. I think there were a number of examples during that early time where, when like when the Spaniards would trade with the Indians, and they would have a booming trade relations. And, um, and instead of war. And then there were other Europeans who came and just thought that they were there to, to conquest, you know, for conquest. And they would simply take uh, without trading. And those resulted in explosive uh, situations with, with people dying on both sides. And so there, were, there was ample evidence that, you know, uh, trade and, you know, capitalistic, uh, laissez-faire, free market in uh, trade re- re- negotiations and trade relations was the better way to go. And it's unfortunate that so many Europeans did not go that way, which made life very miserable for indigenous peoples here in, in this land for, and for many of the settlers who were, were killed uh, because of, of, uh, of the poor relationships. So there are examples of both good and bad, and, and we just need to, to learn from that and and realize and recognize that all people, uh, no matter their, their height, their color, their culture, their race, whatever, ought to be respected as children of a loving Heavenly Father. And, uh, and we shouldn't take what, what, what is not ours. We should, you know, we can trade, we can bargain, we can negotiate, but it's, not, it's just not right to take what isn't ours. Sam? Well, I really wanted to focus on that because what bothers me is the big divide right now that we have. Those who celebrate Columbus Day, um, they think celebrating anything else is horrible. And those who celebrate, quote, Indigenous Peoples Day act like Columbus was evil. And why can't we just admit that people made genuine mistakes? Why can't we take the good from Columbus Day and celebrate it? Why Why do we have to have Indigenous People Day compete with Columbus Day? Why can't we have an indigenous people's kind of day or whatever else, or a day to, to kind of celebrate the right and the good and the uh, that others have brought to the country. Why do not why do we have to make it a competition? Why do we have to make it a, you know, shut one down in the name of the other, or et cetera? Why do we do that with President's Day and George Washington's birthday? And there's plenty of days to celebrate the good of America and those who brought good all the way through our history without downing or destroying or attacking the other lull. 
That's the part I'm not getting. Uh-huh. Well, people want to rewrite our history so that we will forget our history, so that we will not recognize how dependent upon providence we are in this country. That's the end game, I believe. Um, if they can um, raise Americans today who fail to recognize the hand of divine providence in the raising up and founding of this country, then they can successfully um, uh, undo this country and remake it in more socialist image, more of a Marxist image. And, and they, by, by, by most accounts, have been able to do that. They've been very successful in rewriting that history. And so it's up to us, it's up to, to, to people, you know, to truth tellers, to historians who actually know what happened, uh, to, to be the truth tellers in the current day and help people understand what the real history is and how, how much we must rely upon divine providence if we expect to continue to receive blessings of freedom and peace and prosperity for ourselves and our, our children. Sam? Well, all I'm telling you is this. I don't need to obliterate one portion of history and or significant portions of history to embrace another. So you know what? If you want to teach me about Indigenous Day or Indigenous People's Day, by all means, let me learn about it. Let me learn about the contributions others made to this great land. But let's not do it by tearing down another, okay? Let's not celebrate Protestants Day by destroying the Baptists or Mormon Day by destroying the Catholics, or whatever you want to call it. Let's celebrate all the contributions that everyone's made. Let's acknowledge the mistakes that we've made and be familiar with them so we don't repeat the negatives. Uh, But let's get past the negatives. Let's join as Americans hand in hand and stand for uh, the principles that made America great. And I know you're right. That's what they want to obliterate. They want to obliterate our tie to God, to family, to country. And that's why they're so hostile. But I'm just telling you that as for me, I'm going to celebrate Columbus Day today. Why? Because Columbus Day celebrates the landing of Christopher Columbus in the Americas on October 12th, 1492. I'm going to celebrate that wonderful thing. Negatives that occurred after that, I'm going to acknowledge and be aware of them. I'm going to do my very best to never repeat them, acknowledging that we're all God's children and we need to behave like it. And we need to respect life, liberty, and property. But if somebody wants to, uh, they say Biden formally recognizes Indigenous Peoples Day. Now, I will formally accept that day as well, but not an obliteration of Columbus Day. Why can't we bring forth on a different day without having a, a meltdown and a fight about this Indigenous people? Tell me about them. Let me learn about their cultures, their foods, their heritage, their lives, their contributions. That's all good. But they want to make this about fighting over a day, dividing us over a day. And that's what I'm rejecting. Anyway, enough of that. Any final comments, Lowell? Uh, you hit it spot on, Sam. Um, I, that's, that's exactly the approach that we need to take. In fact, uh, the thought is let's learn the very best from all peoples, all cultures, and regardless of, of who they are, what they are, where they came from, let's, let's learn from them, take the very best, and, and emulate their good example. Because I believe all people, all cultures of the world have things to admire, um, character traits or habits or uh, practices that, that are, are well and good. And there's much we can learn from one another, no matter who they are, Sam. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That's our um, delivery on Columbus Day, which we are celebrating, ladies and gentlemen. Now, really, this is all about education, though, of how what you focus on. You know, are you going to just promote critical race theory and say that we're all racist, that everything should be viewed through a racial lens? 
See, I don't agree with that either. Okay, but what will the education for your children be? And you know what? That's in the crosshairs right now. Parents, in my opinion, that's who God gave authority over children. Parents should control education. Oh, in fact, Ron Paul wrote a column to that very topic. We'll, we'll talk about it in a second. Sorry for the interruption in the break. Right when we come back, we'll give you the opening statement again and let you fly with this one. Important, important, especially when we talk about something as simple as celebrating a day. But it goes way beyond that, ladies and gentlemen. Who should be in charge? The government thinks they should. I don't. Liberty Roundtable Live in Seconds with Lowell Nelson on your radio. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. The Justice Department reported over the weekend a Navy nuclear engineer and his Virginia schoolteacher wife have been charged with trying to sell American nuclear-powered submarine secrets to a foreign government, but it turned out to be an undercover FBI agent. Jonathan Tebby and his wife Diana are scheduled to appear in federal court Tuesday morning in Martinsburg, West Virginia. The United States is the single largest humanitarian donor in Afghanistan, provided nearly $330 million this year alone. It was announced over the weekend the United States will send more money in the form of humanitarian aid to Afghanistan's Taliban leaders. Donations account for more than 90% of the Afghan national budget. The Southern California coastal areas near Huntington Beach, California, will reopen Monday as cleanup efforts continue from the oil spill October 2nd. Over 1,400 cleanup workers have restored the beaches. USA Radio News. If you're tired of big cable bills and want to cut the cord, you can still get Newsmax TV for free. Millions of Americans like you are watching Newsmax. It's available on all major cable systems or get it free on major streaming platforms. Watch Newsmax on smart TVs like Samsung, LG, Vizio, and more. Find Newsmax on your hub guide or use the TV app. Newsmax also streams free on Roku, Zumo, Pluto, Amazon Fire, TiVo, Apple TV, Chromecast, and more. More than 7 million people have downloaded the free Newsmax app on their smartphones. There's no paywall or subscription, so watch Newsmax anytime, anywhere. Forbes calls Newsmax a news powerhouse. And watch great shows with Mike Huckabee, Greg Kelly, Rob Schmidt, Diamond and Silk, Stinchfield, and a lot more. Find out why America is tuning in to Newsmax TV, the fastest-growing cable news channel. It's a source you can trust. Newsmax is real news for real people. The United States is pushing a universal corporate tax level with many countries. In theory, the higher tax would keep corporations from jumping countries because the tax would be the same. Jeremy Scott from the Oregon USA Radio News Bureau reports. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says she believes Congress will likely approve a bill to implement the global corporate minimum tax that was agreed to by more than 130 countries last week. I am confident that what we need to do to um, come into compliance with uh, the minimum tax will be included in a reconciliation package. Yellen appearing on ABC's This Week. I hope that we, that it will be passed and we will be able to reassure the world that the United States will do its part. The countries on Friday agreed to set a minimum global tax rate of 15% for big corporations and made it harder for such businesses to avoid taxation. The plan was endorsed by President Joe Biden, who praised the move in a statement released by the White House. Thank you, Jeremy. USA Radio News. 
All right, back with you live. Lil Nelson campaign for liberty.org. Ron Paul Institute.org with me, riding shotgun on the show. We're talking about parents should control education, says Ron Paul. Amen to that. The battle's on, Lowell. <laughs> Thank you, Sam. During last week's uh, gubernatorial debate in Virginia, one of the candidates, Democratic candidate Terry McAuliffe, promised that as governor, he would prevent parents from removing sexually explicit books from school libraries because he does not think, quote, uh, parents should be telling schools what they should teach, end quote. <laughs> so, Can I just you know, stop you there and say, has this guy lost his mind? <laughs> well, he's like so many other progressives in this country. For decades, Sam, they believe that parents uh, role is really just to pay taxes, support the government schools, and and uh, don't and and not question any aspect of the curriculum, right? I mean, these administrators they think they're in charge uh, of the education of these of the of these children. Very very interesting mindset that they have, and and so that's why I uh, so much appreciate your mindset, which is that parents should control education, which is what Ron Paul is saying here in his column. In fact, the title of his column is exactly that. Parents should control education. <laughs> now, now here are two paragraphs in the very middle of the column that I think deserve some emphasis. Quote, this is Ron Paul speaking now. He says, quote, replacing parental control with government control of education and other aspects of child raising has been a goal of authoritarians since Plato. After all, it is much easier to ensure obedience if someone has been raised to think of the government as the source of all wisdom and truth, as well as the provider of all of life's necessities. In contrast to an authoritarian society, a free society recognizes that parents have both the responsibility and the right to provide their children with a quality education that reflects the parent's values. Teachers who use their positions to indoctrinate children in beliefs that contradict the views of the parents are the ones overstepping their bounds. End of quote. So, do we see how the government has pushed God aside in this picture? Think of the last line of that first paragraph I quoted again. If someone has been raised to think of the government as the source of all wisdom and truth, as well as the provider of all of life's necessities. See, God is the source of all wisdom and truth, as well as the provider of all of life's necessities, not government, right? And so parents, and so this is just totally opposite, of, and, and, and so it's easy to see. I mean, it's opposite of what is, in my opinion, the, the absolute truth, that God is the source of wisdom and truth, and he is the provider of life and necessities. But this authoritarian view that government <clears throat> is that source and is that provider, that is perverse, in my opinion. That is upside down. That is backwards. And, and yet that is what is being assumed at, by the, you know, in the mindset of the authoritarian thinkers and administrators and school personnel. Um, maybe not most of the teachers, because I still think they're, they're wonderful people involved in the public school system are doing their very best, but, but 
But collectively speaking, I think it's a failed system because of these underlying premises on which it is based. Um, the parents are the ones who must take responsibility for the education of their children, and they must be the ones who therefore dictate the curricula um, uh, that, that, that is used by whatever schools their, their children attend. So that's the bottom line, Sam. You know, parents must de demand accountability um, of the schools. Uh, they are not the ones who are out of line. Uh, it's the school administrators and teachers who indoctrinate the children in, in views that uh, contradict parents' views that are the ones who are out of line. Now, the, the, good, the good news is that there are many families who have left the public schools, um, especially last year because of COVID, because of the masking policies and so forth. And I, I view that as a good thing. Uh, parents are demanding accountability. They're taking a larger role in, in the education of their children. Um, of course, I think they need to be even louder. I, 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 would, I want a majority of parents to pull their children out of public schools um, they, and, and you know, start homeschooling them and prizing the time that they have with their children. And there are many wonderful homeschooling options. The Ron Paul homeschool curriculum, for example, um, the, uh, the, the John Burr Society has a course called the Freedom Project Academy. And uh, there are homeschool associations in your community, in your county, in your state. Um, just wonderful options. These curricula, they focus on reading, writing, mathematics, history, science, logic, speaking, and so forth. Some also do foreign languages, uh, financial independence, and so forth. So. I don't know, Sam, you know, students in homeschools, they typically take just two or three hours to learn what they would spend a whole day in a public school to learn. And I think about that, just two or three hours, two and a half hours, I think, is the average. Think of the marvelous, wonderful things that your children could be doing with the other five or six extra hours each day, you know, whether it's playing with their, their neighbor friends or whether it's learning additional stuff, reading you know, opening up their minds and learning so much more. But the bottom line is there are many, many great opportunities for learning, more so than ever before, for adults as well as for children. All of us should be lifelong learners. Homeschools are for us parents and grandparents, too, not just for our children and grandchildren. So I love your theme, Sam. Of, of, I love what you did with your family. You homeschooled your children, and uh, I look at how... Um, how talented and how experienced your children are as they go out into the world and, and make their way on their own. It's just phenomenal. And so my hat's off to you and all of the other homeschool parents who have, have taken that step and taken responsibility for the education of their children. Um, and, and, and I applaud you for, for what you have done there. And, and, and I want this to serve as encouragement to other parents who are thinking about homeschooling options um, and, and, you know, take the leap, uh, jump into homeschool, uh, look at these, these uh, curricula that are out there that are wonderful and, and, then, and, and then do it. I think it would be a great blessing to your family and to your children. Sam? And I've been at it for 25 years telling this tale, and I appreciate the kind words, Lowell. But you know what? This is about the principle not about me, and I want people to understand, just because I've been at it for a long time, so have a lot of other families, and good on mm -hmm. them for doing it. But homeschooling is growing. Even Candace Owens now says parents should remove their children 
from the public schools because they are brainwashing children with Marxist principles. Pull your children out. Remove your children from these indoctrination camps, she said on Fox News over the weekend. And so Rand Paul, Ron Paul, correct. I'm correct. Candace Owens is correct. More and more people are getting the word. In fact, even at a Family Research Council uh, event, one lady stood up and she was uh, uh, on a panel or whatever, and she basically said, hey, the only choice we have left is to peace out, to get it out of the government schools. Because here's why, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, here's why. When they attack us as parents for doing our duty to raise our children in righteousness, that's when we've got to take off the gloves and say, uh-uh. Headline, Biden administration, investigate protesting parents for domestic terrorism. Are you kidding me right now, Lowell? I never thought we'd see this crazy. day. Yeah, it sounds crazy, Sam, but that's exactly what President Biden asked the Justice Department to do. He, he wants the Justice Department to direct the FBI to investigate parents who, you know, the parents who are attending school board meetings to protest mandatory mask mandates and the teaching of uh, the, the critical race theory. And he wants the FBI to investigate them for possible domestic terrorism. That's amazing. And, and you know, parents are organizing themselves. They, they recognize something's wrong with the, what's, going, what's being taught in school. As, as you may remember that during COVID, there were, uh, there were a lot of, uh, schools who shut their doors to in-person learning and began, um, you know, Zoom uh, classes where parent, uh, students would attend the class over Zoom and the, the teacher would teach over Zoom, you know, it, basically electronic teaching so that the student would be at home on a computer listening to the, the, the teacher and interacting with the teacher over, over a product like Zoom. And, uh, well, it turns out that parents, uh, you know, helping their children set this up, this technology up, they would be listening in to, to what was being taught. And what they heard was truly astounding to them, surprising. They had no idea what was, you know, you know that, that some of these, uh, you know, critical race theory and so forth were being taught so openly to their students. And, and realizing this, they began to take matters into their own hands and um, make a school accountable for what they were teaching. It was amazing, Sam. Incredible stuff. What should we do is the question on the other side. Lowell lays it out. Hang tight on your radio. for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing Foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various Foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3, founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. 
The spirit of the American West is live and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues affecting the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like the 2021 Real Buckaroo Calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. Well, my mom smokes and my dad smokes, and I saw them smoking, so I tried it. They're telling me not to smoke, but they smoke themselves. When it comes to smoking, are you sending mixed signals? But when you teach someone a certain way to do things and you go back on that certain way, it sends mixed signals to the person that they're trying to teach. The parents need to be the example. Smoking. If you think you're old enough to start, you're smart enough to stop. A public service message from this station and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I want to dedicate this song to Mr. Rupert Murdoch. Back with you live, Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org on your radio. We're talking about the Biden administration investigating protesting parents for domestic terrorism. Imagine that. You're sick of what's going on in your government schools. So now the battle's on for your children. I knew it would come to this, ladies and gentlemen. The Communist Manifesto has the 10th plank, which is compulsory education for all. Sadly, we've had that in America for nigh on to 100 years and more. And it's coming home to roost, ladies and gentlemen. Now Joe Biden thinks he's got such control of your kids to where if you object to your kids learning about critical race theory, that everybody's a racist, about perverted sexual um, whatever, and I don't even want to go into it, then you know what? You're a terrorist if you don't like that. Now, things have turned violent at some schools and some meetings, sadly, and I regret that. But at the same time, I go, hey, these government school people are just shutting parents down at every turn. You protest, they shut you down. You want to go to a meeting and they say, you can't even go. There's too many people here. The fire code won't let you attend. Shutting parents out. A parent puts its foot in the door and says, no, I really need to be able to attend this. My kid uh, is relevant here. And then they literally arrest you for putting your foot in the door or whatever the case may be. It's out of control. But, Lowell, what should we do? Take your children out of public school. That's the bottom line. You know, starve the beast. Uh, they get, you know, public schools get money for every uh, student that sits in a classroom seat. And when those children don't show up for school, they don't get the money. And uh, so if you want to you want to do, I mean, that, that, that's one tactic. Just starve the beast. Take your children out of public school. I, I recommend that not not only because that will starve the beast, but because it'll be better for your children. So I, they'll, you know, they'll get a much better education through a homeschool curriculum or a private school option. Uh, you know, a private school that you, who, whose teachers you know and love and trust, than they ever will from a from a public school. So that, that's my bottom line, Sam. I think that's really what parents ought to very, that's what they ought to do, or at least seriously consider doing. Um, I know that uh, for our oldest. Uh, no, I think our middle daughter. We we actually hired two teachers. Uh, just, there's a group of us, a cooperative. It was a, a cooperative about eight families. We just hired two teachers and um, from the eight families who taught our our uh, our, our middle daughter. Uh, you know, during the middle school years and high school years, and um, it's a great way to go because they they really these teachers are truly dedicated to people you hire, or you can do a round robin. There's some cooperatives where. Uh, you as a parent will teach one day and then your neighbor uh, will teach the next day and, and so forth. So 
there's a lot of options, a lot of things you can do, but you know, getting your children out of the clutches of the private schools, I think, is the ultimate answer, Sam. I love the starve the beast phrase, and I think that ought to be the hashtag. Starve the beast, take your kids out. And that really is what needs to happen, ladies and gentlemen. And what the problem is, most parents believe that when your kid goes to school, say at 8 a.m. and gets done at 3 or whatever it is, they believe that you've got education going on for seven hours. And most parents are like, mm-hmm. I just can't compete with that. I could never get that done. What you need to understand, ladies and gentlemen, is by the time you spend five minutes wasting time getting everybody settled down at every class, uh, by the time you pack up your books at the end of class for a minute or two, by the time you change periods over and over and over for uh, you know, two, three, four, five minutes between classes, by the time you have a lunch break uh, for the older grades or by the time you have recess and lunch break for the younger grades, they're lucky to get three hours of education in, ladies and gentlemen. And that's what you need to kind of realize, that you can do those things in very little time if you desire. Even if you're a working parent, these are not out of your realm to accomplish. And more and more Americans are learning this. More and more parents are getting it. But when the Biden administration wants to investigate you for domestic terrorism because you don't like what's being taught in your schools and you want to come out and speak out about it, when you want to peacefully assemble and do something about it, and then when provocateurs and or government officials force the issue, creating very high emotions, and then it goes wrong, and then we just want to blame it all on those terrorist parents. Folks, you've got to just yank your kid out and say, listen, I'm not playing this game with you. I'm not doing this. I'm in charge. You're not. And that's the end of the discussion. Ladies and gentlemen, starve the beast. Take your kids out. When they don't have the money, they can't compete. It's that simple. And you can do it for a whole lot cheaper than they ever, ever will be able to even consider it. In fact, Chris Sweeney speaks out and tells us what we ought to be doing. Well, yeah, Chris uh, Sweeney of, of RT News gives us the story of a mom in Rhode Island. And, uh, you know, some of you who are listening to this program right now might not believe us, you know, when we're talking about uh, this uh, this action by Biden and the Justice Department uh, sticking the FBI on parents. But this uh, story about Nicole Solis, uh, who's the mom in Rhode Island, uh, brings this story home. I mean, uh, she was basically smack in the middle of this controversy. In fact, her heroism may have been one of the reasons for Biden's request to the DOJ and the FBI. She's all of five feet tall. I listened to her uh, interview last night with her and, and some other fellow. Uh, she's uh, uh, a young lady, I think, what, 38 years old, if I remember right, uh, five feet tall. Um, and uh, she asked the principal of her child's kindergarten whether the children would be learning about critical race theory and whether they would be learning about gender theory, right? Okay, so her child's in kindergarten. She's she wants to put her, her child there. Well, it does put their child in, in the school there. And then asks, okay, what, what, what are they going to learn? <laughs> I mean, that's so common sense. I mean, exactly what a parent would do. Well, if, I, if my child goes to, this, to, to you guys here in the school, what are you going to teach them? You know, what are they going to learn? Well, the principal said that they don't call kids boys and girls. They don't use gendered terminology. And, and so this mom, Nicole, just kept asking questions, and the principal says, well, you got to submit public records requests to get all answers to all these questions. And so she did that, but she submitted so many requests. Because now, let me stop so you, though. Questions. So she did what <laughs> she was asked to do, mm-hmm. and now they don't like that, right? No, they don't like that because she had so many questions, and the school threatened to sue her 
for for uh, uh, asking so many questions. In fact, they bullied and harassed her in a public meeting. And uh, it, it, in, in, in the end, they didn't sue her after all, but the NEA did. The National Education Association did sue her. Why? To, quote, prevent the disclosure of public information that would come out of my public records request as they're claiming teachers are going to be harassed if we know they are teaching critical race theory, end of quote. <laughs> so the NEA sued to prevent her from disclosing the answers to her questions. <laughs> That's what's so crazy. Hold about on, this. and let's be clear. They sued her regarding the answers to her questions, but they were the ones that told her when she asked those questions to go ahead and submit those requests. So see, this is why I kind of, this terrorism idea. You know what? I go to a meeting. I start asking you questions. You answer a little bit, but then you say, look, you've got to file a request to get this in writing. So I carry out what you've asked me to do, and now I'm the terrorist? Now yeah. I'm getting sued? This is what's happening in America. But you know what? I, I don't mean to be rude, Lowell, but I kind of blame Nicole. Why do you have your kids in the government school in the first place? Look, we've known, <laughs> right. courts, of, we've known courts of rule decades ago that when you let your kid off at the government school the second they walk through that door they're not under your jurisdiction or your guardianship anymore you have by agreement turned your guardianship over to them and they can teach whatever they want to and do whatever they want to and you have no authority as a parent that's already been documented in the courts ladies and gentlemen so now you're surprised when they do this okay the only way is to get your kids out and say my kids aren't going to your indoctrination camp we're not doing that anymore so i hope nicole takes her kids out but i don't know what she'll do but see, most parents, uh, they don't know what you know, Sam. They don't, they don't think that, uh, that education, you know, that the school takes responsibility for their children. They assume that they're responsible and that they're being a responsible parent by enrolling their student in a public school system, thinking that the public school system will teach them, you know, reading, writing, and arithmetic, and they'll, they'll all come out fine and dandy. They don't realize what you just said, which is so important for our listeners to know, that that once you do that, the government takes responsibility for your child, and they, they think they're the ones in charge. They can teach them whatever they want. They can require them to wear masks. They can require them to, you know, do whatever, you know, because they're the ones in charge, because you gave them control of their children. That's the unfortunate thing. Most parents do not understand that, especially young parents do not understand that. And, uh, so, There's no question uh, that's anyway. a sad tale to tell, but it's about time you wake up. And if a Joe Biden <laughs> shot across the bow uh, invoking the Justice Department and the FBI calling you a domestic terrorist, if that doesn't wake you up, I don't know what will. Yeah. Well, it turns out that Nicole did remove her daughter from a public school and enrolled her in a private Catholic school. And uh, I think that's a wonderful move, a, a strategic and a wise thing for her to do. Um, and uh, so happily, you know, her daughter is blissfully unaware of the battle in which her mom is now actively engaged. And so talk about active engagement, Sam. She said this in a recent interview. She said, once you have an experience of your government targeting you in a way that is so insane, you really just can't go back to a life where you're not going to be involved in how your government operates anymore. I never wanted to be in a position where they hold me under their thumb like that again. Now I've been called a domestic terrorist. I don't have anything left to lose, end of quote. And so she's going after her, man. She's, she's a fighter now. She's been, uh, she has enrolled in freedom fighting. <laughs> 
back there in Rhode Island, Sam, and that's a good thing. I'm so I'm proud of her for for uh, taking her, you know, moving her child to to a private school and for becoming engaged in the fight for liberty, Sam. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. But the part I love is that there are heroes. You know, Candace Owens is standing up. Chris Sweeney bringing up this story of Nicole and reporting on it. Uh, you know, we're learning more and more and more as more stand together for the sacred cause of liberty. And, you know, really these are discussions and celebrations of Christianity, whether it be Columbus Day, um, the education system for your children, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It all comes down to really uh, they're coming after the Christians, lol. They don't care about any other divide. It's just their way eventually to attack Christians and Christianity. That's my opinion. We have good news, though, to end the hour. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals has now overturned the decision by Judge Robert Pittman to temporarily block the Texas Heartbeat Act. So the Texas Heartbeat Act got passed. Abortions got stopped in Texas. Then there was a, the Supreme Court they appealed to. The Supreme Court said, we're not going to touch it. So it continued. The Heartbeat Act got um, fully implemented into law. Then uh, the liberals, the pro-death folks, found a judge, Pittman, that would overturn it. So they put it on halt for a second. But now Pittman's halt got overturned, and the heartbeat law in Texas continues low. Um, the state of Texas should enforce their new law no matter what the federal courts say, because this is a state issue, domestic issue. The states did not vest in the general government any authority for this matter, for this issue, for abortions, for family law, for domestic issues like this. All of that authority resided with the state, and so just as the states have legalized cannabis for use throughout the country, they should legalize the protection of life, right? If they want to outlaw abortion in Texas, they may do so, regardless of what a federal court says, whatever opinion is expressed by some federal judge. That is not a matter for the feds to judge on, Sam. Ladies and gentlemen, this is clear doctrine about the sovereignty of states. We have 50 constitutional republics who have agreed to have the federal government, or the general government's what I would call it, carry out certain duties as they work together as 50 united republics. But the only authority the government has, the general government has, is what is delegated to them by the consent of the governed. That doesn't breach the sovereignty of a of a state whatsoever. Remember that reality check, would you please? For Lowell Nelson and Sam Bushman, God save the Republic. Broadcasting live. From atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, West. you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use, no doubt, continues now. This is the broadcast for, what, October the 11th in the year of our Lord, 2021? That's right. It is indeed Columbus Day. We are celebrating, ladies and gentlemen. 
Welcome to our celebration of Columbus and Christianity on Columbus Day. Columbus Day celebrates, ladies and gentlemen, the landing of Christopher Columbus in the Americas on October 12th, 1492. It's been a celebration for a long time in America. Now others are trying to jettison that day and create Indigenous Peoples Day. But I don't see why the two need to be at odds. I don't see why we don't have a day for both of them and a day to celebrate all of our cultures and all the wonderful things historically people have brought to the table. And I agree that we've done some wrong in America, and I think it needs to be corrected. I think we need to acknowledge and bring forward all the good that all peoples have done to this great land. But I don't see why it's got to be a showdown. The reason is, is because if they obliterate our history and they jettison our tie to God Almighty and our jettison and they jettison our tie to uh, family and country, then eventually they can destroy the greatest country on the face of the earth. We ought not let them do it. But we ought to be smart enough to say, hey, you know what? If you've got indigenous people, I don't really know what that means, right? Uh, but if you've got Native Americans or you've got other people, African-Americans or blacks or whatever you want to say, uh, people to celebrate the contributions they've made to history, by all means, bring it. Let's learn about it. Let's celebrate it. That's all cool with me. But I don't really know what indigenous peoples are, really. And I don't mean to be offensive with that. Uh, or act ignorant on that. But what does that mean? Right? Who's an indigenous people? Like, define indigenous peoples for me, will you please? Because what my problem with it is this. They say the term indigenous has prevailed as a, quote, generic term for many years. Sometimes they call them tribes or first peoples. Nations, aboriginals, okay? So they're first people, native people. They're culturally distinct ethnic groups who are native to a place which has been colonized. All right? They say it's used by Europeans to differentiate the indigenous peoples, okay? But now you got indigenous peoples defined by the United Nations, Right? There's considerable thinking and debate on the definition of indigenous peoples. But no such definition has ever been adopted by the United Nations. What's a general definition? The indigenous peoples view themselves as having a historical existence and identity that is separate and distinct from the states now enveloping them. All right? So there you have it. Whenever it's colonization, whenever it's, then they say there's indigenous peoples. Well, I mean, if you want to get, if you want to play the evolutionary card, which I don't agree with evolution, but if you want to play that card, then, hey, the only indigenous peoples really are the monkeys, are the apes, are the orangutans. <laughs> Aren't they the only really indigenous people now? I mean, it all depends on how you define people there. What does indigenous peoples mean? Right? Think about it. So uh, if the apes or the monkeys, they're the ones that preceded us all, if you believe in evolution, which I don't, but if you do, okay? Uh, otherwise, what is an indigenous people? How do the Native Americans or the indigenous natives get here? Have they been here forever also? When did they come? If you know, let's talk about it. If you don't know, well, Sam, it's the Incas and the Mayas.
All right, where do they come from? How do they get here? Right? Defining indigenous people is a very tough road to hoe. I remember <laughs> I um, was on a uh, Alaskan tour, and this tour guide said, hey, here's where the Native Americans, um, you know, da-da-da-da-da. And then I spoke up, and I said, I'm a Native American because I was born here and raised here, and my parents were born here and raised here, and their parents. Okay, anyway, so I'm a Native American, right? What does Native mean? What does indigenous mean? And you go back, and you go, and then the, the tour guide said, no, you're not a Native American. You're American Native. So now you got the American natives and the and the Native Americans, but then you got American indigenous peoples. I don't know what that means. Indigenous peoples refers to a group of peoples with a shared national identity, such as Navajo or Sami. It is equivalent to saying the American people, the Native, and the Indian are terms to refer to people who are living in the United States prior to, quote, European contact. Okay, but you know what? When they came here, was there, was there somebody else already here? Right? You got to ask this if you're a Christian. Where was Adam born? <laughs> where did Adam and Eve live? Yeah, they got kicked out of the Garden of Eden. We all get that right. Where did they go? Where, where were they at? How, how many of you do you know? Because they would be the original indigenous people, right? That'd be like the native of native of whatever. Super native, right? Anyway, it's important to study history. And it's important to realize just because the uh, Indians or, quote, Native Americans or whatever term you want to refer to them as um, might have been here before Christopher Columbus rolled in in 1492 uh, or whatever. I don't know that that makes them indigenous and more. Uh, they have more rights to the lands than we do. Should we have come in and been respectful? Absolutely. We could have had a lot better relations and a lot better behavior as Christians seeking for a new world for religious reasons. There's no doubt about all that. But does that change the reality? I mean, uh, you know, the monkeys had the land first. I'll tell you that right now if you believe in evolution. Anyway, very interesting. All right, <laughs> I'm going to transition, but I wanted to talk about that as we celebrate Columbus Day. I don't want to wrap this indigenous vagary and this denial of God and to make uh, Christopher Columbus out to be an evil person. I don't want these indigenous days to be about that. Okay, make an indigenous people's day on a different day than Christopher Columbus. And let's learn about these indigenous people. And if they brought wonderful things to our nation, to our society, to our world, let's bring forth those things and celebrate them. That's fine. That's great. But let's not make it a competition. Let's not obliterate American history. Let's tell the truth about it. Let's acknowledge the mistakes made so we never repeat them. But let's move ahead and celebrate good things of the world. In fact, celebrating good things of the world. Liberty Conference 2021 coming up. Yeah, it's Friday and Saturday, October 22nd and 23rd, ladies and gentlemen. Get your tickets now. If you use the promo code LIBERTY, all caps, LIBERTY, it'll be wonderful. All right? You can go to the conference if you go to WeCanAct.net. WeCanAct.net, ladies and gentlemen. W-E-C-A-N-A-C-T, just like it sounds. WeCanAct.net. Check that out. All right, we've got so much news that I refuse to use. Uh, it'll shock you, ladies and gentlemen. Some serious, hard-hitting, real stories that'll make you really uncomfortable is what it'll do. Dr. Pierre Corey, 
Remember the doctor that testified last year before Congress? And he said, ivermectin is virtually the miracle drug that can save America from COVID, save the world from COVID. All we got to do is use it. The, he is not representing his own individual views, but a group of doctors and physicians and professionals in the medical world who have done study after study after study about repurposing uh, these tried and true tested safe medications. And wow, the results from their testing and their frontline treatments of individuals with COVID is so incredible, right? Remember that guy? And how we've talked about him and the mainstream press ridiculed him and mocked him uh, and how he then uh, uh, testified before Congress, but he's been mocked and ridiculed and virtually shut down ever since, right? Remember that guy? Well, now we get, in my opinion, breaking news that really, really makes you or could make you angry. Dr. Pierre Corey. Here's what he says. Members of Congress were treated for COVID-19 with ivermectin. Yes, indeed. Members of Congress were treated for COVID-19 with ivermectin. Corey states that the claim comes from a highly credible, credible source with inside Congress, ladies and gentlemen. Between 100 and 200 members of Congress and their families, so hundreds of people, not to mention their staffers, they've also been included, have been treated with ivermectin or IVM treatment is what it's being called now. Think about that. For COVID-19, no hospitalization needed at all. Folks, this is bombshell. This is serious indeed. So now you've let you've got Congress who has known the truth. I've told you through Pierre Corey and many others testifying before Congress. They're not letting that out through Congress and or the media. So you don't know about it. They let the world media take down ivermectin as nothing but a horsey poop. Not worth your time. Dangerous. Don't do it. Da, 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 da. But if 100 to 200 plus members of Congress plus their families and their staffs used ivermectin for treatment while the rest of us struggle to get ivermectin ladies and gentlemen this is criminal dr pierre Corey speaking out documenting this reality check wow have i got news that i was refused to use for you hang tight this is the one and only liberty roundtable live Hey, Mom, Dad, Mark here. Wow, I love college, really. I never knew living on my own could be so uh, good for me. Uh. To change your message, press 7. So, here I am at college. It's cool. Well, of course, it's only been a week. To change your message. Hey, it's me. I was just remembering that time I hit my first home run. You know, through the garage window. Thanks for not being mad. No. To change Hi. Boy, I miss you guys. I miss my room. I miss waking up to warm socks straight from the dryer. Warm socks? Family. Isn't it about time? Hi, it's Mark. Um, love you guys. Uh, I'll call you later. From the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. 
If Planned Parenthood were what they publicly declare themselves to be, they would welcome transparency. We all know why they hide, because we know what they hide. We can confirm federal judges who follow the Constitution rather than reverse engineer their preferred policy outcomes. The truth about abortion is spreading because of advances in medical imaging, because of brave journalists, tireless activists, compassionate doctors, nurses, and other healthcare professionals. The rising generation of young Americans is the most pro-life in decades because they know too. And one day soon, we will reaffirm our nation's principles in their dignified fullness and avow once again that all men are created equal. All are entitled to life. Live, ladies and gentlemen. Wow, it's been a crazy time. I'm booking guests from all kinds of places. We're talking about the Liberty Conference coming up Friday, Saturday, October 22nd and 23rd in Utah at the Salt Palace. We can act.net for more information and get tickets. Use Liberty as your code and you get 50 bucks off per ticket. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we've got Dr. Murray Sabrin with us, who's a PhD and a retired professor of finance at Ramapo College was the New Jersey Libertarian Party's nominee for governor as well back in 1997. But he co-founded the Sabrin Center for Free Enterprise uh, in the, uh, what do they call it, the Field School of Business in 2007. So Sabrin, believe it or not, is an immigrant, Immigrant immigrated with his parents from West Germany to the United States back in 1949. So it's been a long time. And welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live, Doctor. Well, thank you, Sam. It's a great opportunity to be with you to discuss one of the most important issues facing the American people. And that important issue, ladies and gentlemen, is this. Who decides what medical care you can get? And that's really... Uh, the discussion of uh, the century, if you will, uh, because in the past in America, it was assumed that you were in charge of your own destiny. Government had the role of creating a level playing field, had the role of honoring contracts, and virtually that was it. And you could negotiate uh, and work on and study and research and do whatever you felt was best for your health. In modern America, they're challenging that very notion, doctor. Well, this is the reason I wrote the book, because uh, in 2016, Bernie Sanders is making headway in the Democratic primary, touting Medicare for all. And my book is the opposite of what Bernie is recommending. Instead of universal medical care provided by the government, I'm uh, suggesting that universal medical care can be provided by the free market and the nonprofit sector. And well, everything's in place for that to happen. It's just a matter of the American people really want to have responsibility for their own medical care or they want to be dependent upon people like Joe Biden and um, 
and Kamala Harris and uh, Dr. Fauci and Dr. Walensky at the CDC for their medical advice, or they want to work with their own doctor. And so we need to restore the doctor-patient relationship, which is the essence of uh, sound, quality medical care. Ladies and gentlemen, Murray Sabrin is a recognized voice in the libertarian movement, tackles the question in the nation's health growing crisis, stunning insights and solutions in his intriguing new book called Universal Medical Care, From Conception to End of Life. Now, he makes the case for a single-payer system. Now, hold on. Don't riot, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> a single-payer system, but not like government would do. See, government wants to use the Hegelian dialectic to make you believe that government's the only answer. That's what we're here to jettison the notion of and to provide solutions regarding a real answer based on libertarian principles and freedom, doctor. Well, that's, that's the reason that uh, we are heading down, as Hayek wrote uh, more than 70 years ago, the road to serfdom. If the government controls our health care from cradle to grave, it's all over. That, they can determine what we can eat, what we can drink, what we can, uh, how much exercise we need. And these are all personal decisions, and we have to take responsibility for our own lives. And one thing I, I do in this book, which I think is very important, is we seem to conflate in the United States health care and medical care. Health care is the responsibility of the person you see in the mirror every morning, yourself, and medical care is what we seek when we don't have optimal health care, health, and that's why we see a physician or some other practitioner to get us back to optimal health. And using our own knowledge and um, desires for better health, that's the essence of, uh, I think, a free society and, and a well society. And I grew up in an era, of, uh, you mentioned I came to America in 1949, so that makes me someone who's seen a, a medical care evolve over the past uh, seven uh, decades. And medical care back in the 50s when I was a youngster was pretty simple. Your parents would take you to the doctor. They would pay their $5 for the visit. And if you needed uh, medicine, you'd go to the local pharmacy. You'd pay a few dollars. There were no insurance claims. There were no insurance forms. And when my father had a major operation in 1961, he was a blue-collar worker. He went to one of the top hospitals in Manhattan got the operation, recuperated at home for a couple of weeks. And as I recall, there was no angst in the family of uh, who's going to pay for the medical bills because Blue Cross Blue Shield took care of it. And so that was the time before Medicare and Medicaid. And since 1965, medical care costs have gone through the roof because of the Fed's monetary policy and all the money that the federal government has been throwing at the medical uh, care sector. And here we are today with uh, this year, Sam, the the medical bill of the American people will be roughly $4 trillion. That's larger than most economies in the world. That's so just one sector of the U.S. economy is spending $4 trillion. And the other point I want to make, Sam, is government doesn't pay for anything. Taxpayers pay for everything. Individuals pay for everything. Business owners pay for everything. The government is just an intermediary between the individual who earns the money and the person who receives the money from government uh, programs. Ladies and gentlemen, our health and our very lives may very well depend on embracing Dr. Murray's prescription for free market medical care and solutions, ladies and gentlemen. This is very uh, interesting. Ron Paul made that statement about this book we're discussing today, ladies and gentlemen. Um, you explain in your book that every American 
an adult would be in charge of their own medical coverage, right? Well, that's it. Uh, as I said, the best way to have medical care, high quality medical care, is you pay out of pocket for a routine visit to the doctor. It was unheard of years ago that you'd need an insurance claim to, to go see a doctor for an eye exam or a sore throat or an earache or something like that. So that's pretty simple. And then uh, you would need a pool of money to pay for more expensive items like uh, more expensive uh, medical tests. And then, of course, you need a catastrophic insurance policy in case you need a heart operation or uh, a long-term treatment for cancer. And let me give you some idea, Sam, of how inflated our medical costs are today. Uh, when I was researching this book, I contacted a, a direct primary care physician in Southwest Florida, where I now live. These are physicians who don't accept any insurance. You pay a monthly fee, and, the, and you have access to the doctor virtually 24-7. And the doctors cap their patients at roughly 800, which they feel is the optimal amount of patients they should have in order to give them quality care. A typical doctor in an in a office in uh, Utah, Florida, New Jersey, where I live, they used to have over two, they have over 2,000 patients. So you get to see the doctor for maybe 15 minutes per visit. So she had a patient, didn't have any medical insurance. He needed an operation. The local hospital quoted him $20,000 for the operation. She contacted the Surgery Center of Oklahoma, which is a cash-only facility. That same operation, including the transportation from Florida to Oklahoma and the stay in the, and, hotel was $5,000, more than a 75% discount from what was quoted at the local hospital. Another example, which blew my mind when I heard this two months ago at the Free Market Medical Association annual conference in Texas, one um, vice president of human resources for an upper Midwest company said they were getting fed up with the increase in insurance premiums. So they hired a truck with an MRI to come to the parking lot of the company to provide MRIs for their employees who maybe needed a knee looked at or a so, uh, shoulder looked at. That MRI cost $400. That same truck went down the street to the local hospital. The local hospital charged $6,000 for that same MRI. In other words, the American people are getting ripped off because you have to have high insurance premiums to cover the cost of the $6,000 MRI. If we had a cash-only approach to most medical procedures and visits, the cost of medical care would probably drop at least 50%. That would free up money for saving an investment, for increasing our living standards, increasing our charitable contributions. The medical care system is so unsustainable, Sam, that that's the reason I wrote this book, is to send the warning to the American people. If we don't do something immediately, this thing is going to consume most of our resources. Ladies and gentlemen, the intriguing new book, is called Universal Medical Care. All right, it's available now from conception to end of life. All right, and he's making the case for a single payer system, not government, you, ladies and gentlemen. And you would say, well, how do I handle that? I can't afford that. That's because you've been duped into the lie. If you understand his proposals, it's common sense. Remember, he's an expert, a professor in finance. Okay, it makes sense and it works, and I've lived it for over 30 years. We'll talk about a DPC uh, in a second. Hang tight. You're listening to Liberty Roundtable Live. Exposing corruption. Informing citizens. 
pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Chris Barnes. As social media and its impacts on American teens is getting a lot of attention from lawmakers lately, Minnesota Democratic Senator Amy Klobuchar says today the U.S. does need legal reforms when it comes to those companies. Privacy legislation. We're one of the few countries that doesn't have a federal privacy policy that fits the sophistication of these tech companies. On CNN's State of the Union, Klobuchar also suggested that breaking up Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp would be good for the market and help make it more competitive. Also on State of the Union, Facebook VP Nick Clegg said the company's working on several things that would make Facebook and Instagram a better place for teens. We can't change human nature. What we can do is change our products, which is exactly what we're doing. Clegg says they'll soon roll out a feature that pushes kids away from harmful topics. And this is USA Radio News. Awesome and amazing day. Hey, friends, it's John and Chelsea Jubilee, and here's my beautiful wife, Chelsea. Hi, women. I have a message just for you today. Every single day, we have women that come to us in pain. Not physically, even though, yes, that is too, but in pain from suffering of hopelessness because they have tried every single thing to lose weight, and they can't. And they can't year after year after year, and they give up. They give up hope. They're desperate. They're in a dark place. But we have a light, a light of truth. Science is a search for the truth that is known. In our breakthrough science of intercellular hydration, ladies, you will lose 15 to 20 pounds of solid fat every four weeks. Go log on to our website. Look at the testimonials of real women just like you who were hopeless, but this changed their life. Check us out at EnergizedHealth.com. That's EnergizedHealth.com. Encouraging news from Dr. Anthony Fauci, who says it appears the U.S. is turning the corner when it comes to COVID-19. It's certainly going in the right direction. That's the good news. And but we have to just be careful that we don't prematurely declare victory. The chief White House medical advisor is speaking on CNN's State of the Union and saying the numbers will continue to improve in terms of case counts and seven-day averages, especially if more and more people do finally get the shots if they haven't already. Fauci also says outdoor trick-or-treating should be perfectly fine this year, though people may want to be extra careful with any indoor Halloween gatherings. Hundreds of Southwest Airlines flights are still being canceled and delayed because of air traffic control issues and some disruptive weather. Southwest didn't state how many flights were affected, but FlightAware says it canceled over a thousand flights across the country Sunday. And this is USA Radio News. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Murray Sabrin is with us. He's a Ph.D. He's a retired professor of finance. He's an immigrant to the United States, and he's brilliant, and he's written an incredible, an incredible book answering the question, who decides what medical care you can get? Dr. Murray Sabrin is widely recognized as a libertarian voice, um, tackling the question of who is in charge of your health care, basically, in his new book, highlights this reality chapter by chapter what's it called university universal i'm sorry medical care universal medical care from conception to end of life and uh we need to really understand it starts out with dpcs which stands for 
uh, direct primary care. And uh, I uh, was insurance licensed for a while, so I'm pretty caught up on this doctor. And I've also researched as a um, HR consultant for businesses of the best way they should go about their medical care. And I have researched exactly the proposals that you have made and find that they are the best solution by far. It all starts with getting a, a DPC, which is a doctor that's your primary care. You pay them a monthly fee, and their goal is to keep you well. Rather than well, this, sick care, go to the doctor when you're sick. Doctor? Well, th- this is the beauty of the innovativeness that we're seeing now in medical care. At this conference I attended at the Free Market Medical Association two months ago, there were doctors and other uh, folks in the medical profession and uh, corporate executives who are coming up with innovative, creative ways of providing high-quality medical care at a fraction of the price today. And the problem that we have today is, believe it or not, Sam, is we're overinsured. We're trying to insure everything in terms of medical costs, and that's not the purpose of insurance. We know the purpose of insurance is to protect us from catastrophic loss. That's why we don't have car insurance for an oil change or new tires. We have a uh, uh, auto insurance in case we get into a, a horrific accident or the car is stolen, something like that. So insurance is a, is a very important part of Western civilization, but unfortunately it, it's been corrupted by trying to insure everything. And this is, this Sam is why the ideology of the welfare state must be defeated lock, stock and barrel, because that's what's driving the push for universal medical care a la Bernie with Medicare for all, where the government is in control of everything. And that means medical care rationing, where you have to wait in line, like uh, in Canada, one of the doctors I interviewed for my book is a former Canadian doctor who initially was in favor of the Canadian single-payer system, and then when he started practicing in it, he said, this is a disaster, my patients are not being served well, so he's now in um, the United States practicing medicine, and he explained to me how the medical care system in Canada nearly killed his brother by misdiagnosing his situation, and he, as a radiologist, was able to read his um, uh, x-rays and, and came up with what was the problem, and so he helped his brother live instead of being uh, a casualty of the, medic- of the universal medical care system in Canada, the single-payer system. So again, we have a lot of work to do to educate the public, and that's why this book, I think, is so important, because it, pr- it provides the historical backdrop and solutions, real solutions from how do we get from here to there, which is cutting that $4 trillion medical care bill at least in half, if not more, by putting the doctor and, uh, and the patient at the forefront of medical care and using insurance only for catastrophic uh, needs, such as uh, big, uh, big operations. But even those could probably go down quite a bit because of all the uh, um, malpractice insurance that's built into the cost and all the uh, other costs that hospitals put, put into their uh, billing. So again, you know the situation. I know it from researching it. The American people need to be educated, and, and being an educator for 35 years at, at a college classroom, I think this is what I can do best is to educate the people. And here's what I, what I throw down the gauntlet to Senator Sanders. Let he and I debate this on C-SPAN. He's in favor of a government single payer. I'm in favor of the individual family single payer. Let's have this great debate finally, as to which way the country should establish a a universal medical care system. And I bet that people would rally around my proposition because it would reduce their costs and increase their quality. And we would get the government finally out of medical care, which it has no business in. Since when I became a U.S. citizen, Sam, in 1959, I took an oath to uphold the Constitution. And I, for the life of me, can't find anything in the Constitution 
which gives the federal government any responsibility or authority to be involved in our medical care decisions. Amen to that reality check. Let me give you the problem uh, as it is articulated so well in the Good Doctor's book, and it says this. People have basically outsourced their lives to the federal government or the state government with employer-based insurance. Now, that's the problem, folks, is that we just expect somebody else to take care of everything for us. But that has middlemen who have evil intentions. If we take charge of our own health care, ladies and gentlemen, we can lower costs. We can increase people's incomes. We can increase the bottom line for businesses because they won't be tied up in all this mumbo jumbo. We'll have a much stronger economy. We'll have better medical care. And the list goes on and on. Let me tell you a personal story, doctor, that'll highlight the point. I've got eight children, uh, and most of the, uh, I've got four of them married now. So they're pretty grown up. I've only got a couple at home. Uh, but we have never really had insurance our whole marriage because I'm self-employed, and therefore it's pretty expensive to get insurance. And I determined that we'll just save our money and, and, and negotiate directly. And I'm a pretty good negotiator in the healthcare industry. And so I've learned the in and outs of medical billing and everything else and learned what things to say and what buttons to press to do very well. Uh, and this is an example of what Americans can do if they really get in charge of their own health care. So I needed an eye operation. And at first they said it was $18,000 to get it done. And I said, I'm not doing it. But I made friends with my doctor that was the eye care specialist, a very uh, specialist in, in, in eye uh, issues, etc. And I talked to him and I said, listen, I can't afford it. I'm not doing it. He says, I know, but you need it. And I said, I know, but I'm not paying that. I won't do it. So we eventually worked out a plan that I would go to a foreign country to get it done. Uh, and uh, we planned it and everything else. It was going to cost probably about $5,000. And uh, then it was going to be done in Nepal. Because in Nepal, you can basically rent a surgery room. And he goes, I'll just come in. I'll do the operation for you for free. I will train people in Nepal to do these operations. And all you got to pay is for the surgery room. And uh, it'll just be this international outreach by me. You'll be blessed by it. Come with your wife. Do an extra honeymoon a couple of days before you do the eye operation. And you'll get a honeymoon out of it. Plus, get this thing done for a third of the cost. Less than a third of the cost. So we planned on that, and then what happened was this. He said, but before I take you to Nepal, I'm going to walk in, uh, and I'm going to negotiate with the financial department to get you this operation done in America. Just stick with me. So he literally dials the phone, puts me on speakerphone, and walks into the finance department, uh, and he says, listen, I've got a patient. We're ready to go to Nepal and do this operation. Uh, Nepal is kind of a big pain because we've got to fly and do all this stuff. I, his physician, don't really want to do that, but we will if we have to. But I want to know if you can work out a way to beat Nepal's bid for this uh, and beat what we're going to do so that we can all stay home and enjoy your incredible facilities. And believe it or not, he came back at the end and said, Sam, can you pay $1,800 cash if we can do this operation? I said, yes, we got it done for $1,800 instead of $18,000 in the United States. Doctor, that's what can happen when Americans take charge of their health. That's a personal, real story. That's a 90% discount, if my math is correct. That's incredible. See, the, the American people are totally in the dark about medical pricing. It's probably the most opaque, opaque thing we have. 
because every other price we can go online and see exactly what it costs to buy a, a computer or a car or anything like that. And of course, we negotiate for car prices as well because you have the MSRP, and you can, if you're a good negotiator, you can get it substantially below the MSRP. So your example, your personal example, is a testimony to how overinflated the medical care costs are in this country, and that if hospitals were just transparent and posted their prices, like the Surgery Center of Oklahoma does, their prices are right online. You can see exactly what they are, and if we had that. That's a free market in operation, not this insurance, pharmaceutical, hospital complex that we have, government complex, where everything is hidden from the consumer, and we don't know what the prices are that we're paying. And we just got some bills, and it shows you what the, uh, what the uh, doctor or the hospital charged and what the insurance company paid, and it's, what, about a half or a third of what, of what the charges were submitted. So let's have honest pricing, and the problem would go away. Honest pricing would take us a long way down the road, but what people don't understand is government health care pricing is what controls everything. So I can't remember what it's called right now because I don't have it at my fingertips. But there's a list of prices based on codes of every medical Mm -hmm. procedure. And the government literally controls these codes. And what it means is, Hey, what price do you get if you're on Medicare, Medicaid? What price will the government pay? That's like the bottom number. Now, it's not the bottom number you have to pay, but it's the bottom number in this matrix that they all use. And if you know enough, you can oftentimes get things at the bottom government-paid number. But what it usually is is insurance is this bottom-line number plus whatever they're going to give you. Uh, We'll come back and talk about that a little bit because the good doctor's plan is to get government out of the middle of it. And I can say nothing but amen to that plan. We're talking to Dr. Murray Sabrin, ladies and gentlemen, in his incredible book. We'll tell you how to get it in seconds. Have your pen and paper ready, please. As a parent, is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. Scott Bradley here. Most Americans are painfully aware that the nation is on the wrong track and in dire straits. Unfortunately, most political pundits only nibble around the edges when they claim to address the issues. Even worse, many of the so-called solutions are simply rewarmed servings of what got us into the mess we currently face. And the politicians think we're so gullible and naive that we'll buy their lies that they have reformed and now understand where they led us astray. Unfortunately, the truth of the matter is that they simply wish to continue to hold power. The solution to America's challenges is found in returning to the timeless principles found in the United States Constitution. 
My book and lecture series will reawaken in Americans an understanding and love of the principles which made this nation the freest, most prosperous, happiest, and most respected nation on earth. Visit to preservethenation.com and order my book and lectures to begin the restoration of this great nation. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about the incredible book, ladies and gentlemen, written by Dr. Murray Sabrin, which really breaks out that we ought to have single-payer health care, ladies and gentlemen, but it ought not be the government. It ought be you, because you can take charge of your health, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, this single-payer system that Dr. Sabrin's talking about is based on strong libertarian principles. He proposes the following ideas get a direct primary care relationship a dpc is what you want to look for where patients pay cash you can also have a mega health savings account where you can put money in tax-free it could grow tax-free you could take it out tax-free and you could pay for your own extraordinary medical expenses ladies and gentlemen you could have a catastrophic policy for really big expenses such as heart surgery or whatever People wouldn't need Medicare, Medicaid, all that kind of stuff. It would save the taxpayers literally millions. Then create nonprofit organizations to help out that would make a huge difference. The goal, ladies and gentlemen, is to phase out employer-based insurance altogether. Jettisoning Medicare, Medicaid, and Obamacare, ladies and gentlemen. Medicine and government should be separated just like religion, like church and state, if you will, ladies and gentlemen. The COVID crisis makes this even more essential to do. Doctor, the list that I was referring to that I said I couldn't remember, they call it a fee schedule, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, it's uh, th- this is why doctors have essentially become civil servants. They basically work for Medicare and Medicaid if they're taking Medicaid at all. And so that's why I have a chapter in the book for non- the nonprofit sector that we should uh, create thousands and thousands of nonprofit medical centers that would take the people on Medicaid, which is around 40, 50 million today, and save the taxpayer $600 billion a year and have uh, them created all over the country. I helped create one in uh, northern New Jersey many years ago based upon the volunteers in medicine model, which was started in Hilton Head, South Carolina by Dr. Jack McConnell. And they're the umbrella organizations for nonprofits around the country where doctors get together or individuals get together and uh, doctors work uh, on a voluntary basis. And, uh, uh, and many of them get uh, pharmaceuticals for free from the companies. And they provide high quality, no cost medical care to to patients, the uh, low income folks in, in, in the country. And it works magnificently. They save lives at no cost to the taxpayer. They, they, they uh, partner with hospitals and uh, specialists in the community and the doctors provide uh, their services for free. So again, this is part of the long time American tradition of volunteerism. America has been a voluntary society from day one where mutual aid societies got together, were created by people who have similar backgrounds, whether it's ethnicity, religion, race, uh, uh, traits, uh, work, and they pooled their money together and they helped out their members who needed help. This is the quintessential American culture that has been taken over by the government in all these programs, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and all these other programs that we've had since uh, the Great Depression. And the Great Depression was unfortunately the great leap forward in the federal government taking over more and more 
of our lives. And then the, the Great Society program, that's why July 30th, 1965, is one of the most important dates in American history. That's when President Johnson signed legislation that gave us Medicare and Medicaid, and the medical care costs have continually outpaced the general rate of inflation since then. And doctors have become more subservient to the uh, uh, government. And we're seeing this right now in the whole COVID situation. Um, there are doctors out there, as you know, Sam, that are uh, that have been using non-approved methods to treat COVID. Now it just came out that members of Congress and their staffers have been getting ivermectin to either prevent COVID or be, uh, being treated with COVID. So why is Dr. Fauci saying don't use ivermectin when members of Congress have been using it? This is the hypocrisy that people see in Washington, D.C., which makes people really angry at the federal government. And the question is, uh, what will happen in the elections, which uh, in 2022 and 2024? But in the meantime, the American people need to realize there's an alternative to what we have today. And that's why this book, I think, is so important, not because I wrote it, because of what the message is. We have to be in charge of our own lives. It's called individual sovereignty. Ladies and gentlemen, this book is a must get must read must share uh and really it's full of solutions is the point that you got to understand the intriguing new book is called universal medical care from conception to end of life and it really talks about a single pair health care system by you ladies and gentlemen you can be in charge and when you learn how we've been fleeced by this you begin to understand really how much money can be saved and how important it is for your freedom to choose. You can be in charge of your own health care. So let me tell you a little story, doctor. I got COVID twice, got it really bad the second time, almost died. I'd take off my oxygen and my oxygen would drop to like 60 in about 10 seconds. Oh my goodness. And believe it or not, I hunted, hunted, hunted for 20 days as I stayed in bed sick for ivermectin. I finally got a doctor to prescribe it Within hours, I was off of oxygen entirely, and it saved my life. And these people are running around telling me that it's horse poop and don't try it. They have lost their mind. It's almost like they want us to die. But the truth is in taking charge of your own health care. I'm here to testify that's the solution. Doctor, that's my personal story. It's real. Well, this is why there are so many personal stories out there that I wish people would do a little bit digging into what's going on. I spoke to a New Jersey-based physician who I've known since I ran for governor in 1997. She's been doing telemedicine with patients all across the country, 2,000 patients by her, by her account, uh, treating them with ivermectin or uh, uh, tr uh, prescribing it as a, as a prophylactic. She said out of the 2,000 patients, roughly five wound up in the hospital and only one died. That's much better than, than the current protocol of the uh, Pfizer and Moderna and Johnson & Johnson vaccine. And this is pretty inexpensive stuff. So uh, Dr. Eck, who uh, has a nonprofit health center, a medical center also in central New Jersey, has been in the forefront of, of this. And she also, by the way, is a pharmacist. So not only is she an internist, but a pharmacist who knows what the good protocols are out there. And I asked her about uh, ivermectin and its side effects. And she said, there are none. It's, it's one of the safest medications ever created. And it's part of the essential WHO list of essential medications for the world. And uh, 4 billion doses have been, uh, have been prescribed since it was uh, uh, put into the marketplace with uh, no adverse consequences as opposed to the 
current so-called vaccines that are killing people with uh, blood clots and myocarditis and other uh, adverse consequences. So again, this is why we cannot have top-down, trickle-down medicine in the United States. We need to have bottoms-up, grassroots doctors and patients coming up with the best solutions to their own situation. Ladies and gentlemen, there are opportunities all over the country, and I know you've uh, proposed uh, debating Bernie Sanders about this uh, on public TV. What I think we ought to do is get a few of us, Dr. Pierre Corey, myself, mm-hmm. uh, a few other people in the media, you and experts who have really written um, and exhaustively researched solutions. Uh, I think we all ought to go to a national press club event and really highlight the truth to the American people about this and record it and make it available online for people to watch all over the country. We have got to spread the word about this, doctor. Well, this is why information is so valuable. Information is invaluable because the more information you have, the more informed consent you have. And we don't have informed consent with this, with this, uh, with these, uh, vaccines. Uh, if you recall, if you go on TV, all you see is ads for, for drugs. And what do they do? Tell you at the end, this drug may cause A, A B, C, D, E, F, and G, and sometimes they're worse than the illness you're trying to uh, address. So why don't we have the uh, uh, adverse co- consequences of these drugs known to the American people? Because the government doesn't want to do that. And so if you're really cynical, and there's a lot of people out there that are very cynical, they think this, this medication is one way to, to reduce the people who are getting Social Security and Medicare. Now, that's a very cynical view of government. But that's what people are starting to think about what's happening in America, where all these old elderly people who have underlying conditions are dying left and right. And they're the ones that are most susceptible to illnesses. And the other thing we know from the data is 75 percent of the people who contract COVID are obese. And no one's talking about how people should get optimal health, slim down a little bit so their immune systems are better. This way they can ward off infection. Ladies and gentlemen. All I can tell you is this. Federal judge rules against natural immunity claim challenging COVID-19 vaccine mandates. The Epic Times with the piece, I, for one, will not get vaccinated. I will not mask. I will not do these things, and they can't fire me because I work for myself. You ought to take a page out of that playbook, ladies and gentlemen, start to work for yourself and uh, generate the entrepreneurial spirit in America. If enough of us don't get vaxxed, they won't be able to push this envelope like they're doing now and hold this over your head. But I'm telling you, we the people have got to start to stand up and take charge of our health care. And the um, COVID-19 reality check just makes it so much more urgent, doctor. Well, there's no question about it. Uh, this has been a drip, drip, drip since the progressive period of uh, Woodrow Wilson. The, the goal of the progressives, the left-wingers, the collectivists in our society, the people who believe that the welfare state is the best way to organize ourselves, have been slowly, slowly increasing government encroachment in our lives, especially with medical care. And now COVID has been the great leap forward. And that's why we've got to push back and push back hard and say, listen, I'm in charge of my medical care. I'm in charge with my doctor. I either accept or reject his his um, uh, opinion, and then I can go get a second opinion. I don't know anyone in this country who has hired Dr. Fauci to be their physician, and yet he's the one that's trying to uh, tell us from the top of the mountain in Washington, D.C., what's good for us. I reject that completely. I've investigated medical care for the past 50-some-odd years when my cousin told me to take 
more vitamins because that's going to increase your immune system and give you better health. And that's what we have to do. What should we be doing with the help of a doctor or a naturopath? I have a friend in New Jersey, a longtime friend who's a naturopath. He's brilliant. He gives me great advice when we need it. And uh, he's helped me get out of some uh, minor medical issues that uh, don't require prescription drugs, which we know have tremendous side effects. So people have to be in charge. And unfortunately, Sam, people are, um, too many people are lazy and want some people to do for them, for them what they should be doing for themselves. No doubt about it. Ladies and gentlemen, who decides what medical care you can get? As long as you're on the government dole, they do, ladies and gentlemen. I have a friend who's very sick right now in the hospital on a ventilator. And he tried to get ivermectin, but he was on Social Security. And so they said, well, if you're on Social Security, you can't get ivermectin. I even had a doctor that was willing to prescribe it, but said I can't prescribe it to a Medicare or a, you know, a, a patient. Because if I do, then they'll come after my license. And so that was shut down. Now the poor guy's on a ventilator. This is reality, ladies and gentlemen. But if you listen to Dr. Murray Sabrin, PhD, he's got the solutions in his intriguing new book, Universal Medical Care. From conception to end of life, the case for a single-payer system where you are in charge. Dr. Sabrin, thank you so much for your time, sir. Thank you, Sam. I'm always appreciative of people who are willing to stand up for the American people and tell them the truth about all sorts of issues. All right, sir. We'll have you back as well. We appreciate you and your time. Ladies and gentlemen, serious business here. I'm proposing we go to the um, National Press Club and tell the tale. We, there's no time like now. This is serious, and we've got to take charge, and we've got to push back, and we've got to make a difference, and it's all up to you and I, ladies and gentlemen. LibertyRoundTable.com, LovingLiberty.net. Donate every penny will be used to grow our presence in the media. God save the Republic of the United States of America.